Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Good Monday morning. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Our girl Hannah and our guy Debo join us Correct. as always. There Correct. we go. We had a little fun with some outtakes to start the show. Hey, man, I'm, the coffee's kicking in still. Right. We got a huge show lined up. Blake Bortles gets paid. We'll talk about that. We have our best and worst of the weekend. A little NBA talk. We got to break down what happened with the NCA scandal that's going on. But first, a lot of time we need to devote to this because the Olympics wrapped up. Yeah. The uh, closing ceremony was last night. Go. Olympics. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> well, That's look, favorite subject. I grew up in tropical weather, man. I grew up in St. Croix in Miami. I don't I don't follow winter sports, but what I did find interesting was like I just looked it up. I was like, you know, who won the Winter Olympics? Yeah. And Norway apparently yeah. um did really well. And then it sparked this huge debate. I read the article regarding the way they treat their youth sports. Um as opposed to countries like ours. And, you know, I'm, I have kids and I coach youth sports. So, you know, their philosophy is it's non-competitive until I guess what age, like 13 or something like that. Um, there's no wins and losses. They, oh, they wow. treat it, they treat it more like training and learning to love the game. And, and I think the words that they use were kind of like social adjustment, you know, through sports. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, I don't agree with it. Uh, I think that maybe <laughs> they cool, won though. the Winter Olympics because they're like a, cold country that yeah. does winter sports. I don't really attribute it to that, but I heard a lot of it uh, while I was driving around in the car yesterday. And so I, I you know I had to look it up and and hear and, and see what it was all about. I like how your takeaway from the Winter Olympics had nothing to do with the actual game but a philosophy. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Hannah, your thoughts, Winter Olympics? It's bittersweet that it's over because I'm telling you, I was overwhelmed with how much I needed to catch up on like every day. I right. was like, what did I miss while I was sleeping? I didn't. So now I, it's, but it's I, a stress-free I don't, sleep. I don't know if I lost any sleep or felt overwhelmed because <laughs> I didn't care, which was kind of like most of the country. I don't think most, I don't think, and the ratings bored out, like no one cared about Did the they Olympics. really? Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm, I'm now like a curling expert. You're going to oh see me God. like on the ice. I can't wait. Like sand curling. Yeah, I yeah, just yeah. can't wait for my shows to come back yeah. on. That was Debo, like the biggest... thoughts? Winter Olympics? Definitely not bittersweet. All right. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> I'm not oh, in the same boat man. as you. All right. All right. So there was, <laughs> uh, as we're getting closer to March Madness, as the college basketball season is getting uh, winding down, that hasn't even been the biggest story because it's been a crazy year. All these teams coming from all over, upsets. No one's coming to the forefront. It should be a crazy March Madness, but... That hasn't been the story that people have been talking about when you talk about college basketball. It's been more about this FBI investigation into the sport. Came out in October, and my initial reaction when it came out then was, we need more information. Like, how big a deal is this going to be? Is this going to change the face of amateurism? All of these things. Then you're starting to get more and more information. Yahoo had a report out on Friday, which actually showed you documents, had spreadsheets, balance sheets of actual payments that were there. Some of them as little as a $400 cash advance to Miles Bridges' mom. Other ones, expenses for meals. Then you did have some significant payments to other guys, you know, $50,000, $75,000 that were more significant. So you're like, all right, we're getting closer to this thing. And then there was even more as Sean Miller, head coach at Arizona, was actually they have the transcripts of a wiretap where he is negotiating a payment to DeAndre Ayton, one of his best players. So... Raja, your initial reaction when we started to get more details to this uh, FBI investigation? Okay. 
<laughs> I mean, I, I just assumed that this was taking place across the landscape of most major college sports. Not just, it, it's not just basketball. I, I want to be like, this is major college sports, um, at the highest level. I would assume, and I have no knowledge. I would assume, I think it's in my mind a safe assumption that this happened everywhere. These are, you're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars to coaches, to universities, um, to, to conferences and, and players that can't partake in it, um, any further than, than a college tuition room and board, which is great. Like I, I went to college for free and it was phenomenal. I didn't need anything more than I got. Um, but some of these guys now on the open market would be making a whole lot of money if you allowed them to go play somewhere. And so for a kid to cross country and go, let's say from, from, um, Pasadena, California and wind up playing for Syracuse. You think he just picked upstate New York for no reason? And I only use Syracuse, uh, because it's as far away as I can imagine. <laughs> just no, a jab I, I, I just wanted to use a juxtaposition of like a, yeah. a, 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 of places across the country, right? Like I would assume naturally as a human being, like what, what would prompt him to go all the way from that side of the country to this side of the country? So it's not surprising to me. Why did you go to Boston though? Opportunity though, right? I think some, I think guys go for different no, reasons. No, well, I, let, let's, let me, let me clarify it. Like if you're, if you're talking about a, a different tier of player where like I didn't have my choice of every, any program in the country, like I had to go where I was kind of wanted and the situation fit. And, and so for me, it wound up being Boston, but that's right up the East Coast. That's a, yeah. that's a, a two and a half hour flight, three hour flight. I'm talking about like a guy who's a, who's a top 10 recruit and he's got two top 10 programs in his state and he winds up going all the way across the United States. Like, when things happen like that, they're just general red flags. It doesn't mean where there's smoke, there's fire, but that puts up a red flag for me. And then when you start consolidating, like when you start consolidating power and you're cornering markets and you're getting every top 25 recruit that comes out, like, look, I don't know anything, but it does raise red flags for me. I would, I assumed that this was happening. Yeah. I don't, I think, I think. I don't think I assumed. I knew it was. I mean, right. you kind of you, all you have to do is talk to a couple coaches, and what they won't admit it themselves, but you'll start hearing them blame other schools, and they say, "Oh yeah, he, they bought that player. So and so bought this player." And you know what's gone on. I think it's been the worst kept, kept secret because everybody knows it's going on. Any anybody in the media really knows it's going on because they've had similar off the record conversations with coaches, and you find out that it's all happening. And I, I do think, I think it's bigger in basketball than it is in football because of the one and done. Like I think you're getting younger players, guys out of high school that are only going for one year. So it's easier to throw money at that guy right. as opposed to in college. You can, you don't have to throw it at him as a freshman. You can wait and see if he's any good. And then you start throwing it at him maybe when he's a junior. Um, with all of this though, I think the reactions that I hear are very frustrating because I hear the majority of people on Twitter and they're coming out. They're like, Oh, we got to pay the players. That's why we have to pay the players. And I don't think that's the solution because I think it's way more complicated and that's way more complex than to just play the players. I do feel like there is a major problem. I think we do need to address the whole concept of amateurism. Right. But paying the players is not it because you can't pay every single basketball player that plays at BU, that plays at FIU, that plays everywhere. You just can't. You can't afford it. Those schools specifically can't. If you said, all right, pay the players, you know who would? Kentucky, Duke, Correct. Carolina, Kansas. Like all the blue but bloods would what be What would fine. really change then? Nothing. I mean, no, like, so here's what I think. They'd still be the powerhouse. Agreed. I'm not, I'm not Agreed. agreeing with the other folks in that you have to play the players, but I'm just, I mean. Agreed. That would so effectively not change much. Agreed. They're, exactly. That is, that is 100% true. Here's what I think 
because I, I don't if you did that, I think you would run off a lot of opportunity of guys like yourself. I don't I don't know if you would have had a chance to play under scholarship if BU had to play pairs, play pay players. Right. I don't know if they could afford to keep their program open. So I do think there are a handful. I don't think it's that big of a number of players that are getting exploited that are have an opportunity to make fifty thousand or seventy five thousand dollar payments. And, the, and everybody likes to slam the NCAA. I think this is more on the NBA because they're the ones restricting players from coming into that league. So do away with that. Let players, if they're good enough, when they are 18 and they're graduated from high school, let them go. Let them go get their opportunity to get paid. And if they don't, then go to college for more than one year. Make them go for two years or three years. I See, I like the baseball model because I think baseball has it right. Right. That's the way they do it. And the other thing you can do is you can actually get some leverage and you can make an opportunity. So if a player does get drafted out of high school, maybe he thought he was going to be a lottery pick and he doesn't get drafted until the second round. He's like, oh, man, what? I just screwed myself. Now I, I have to go to the NBA? No. He can go into college and right. say, you know what? I didn't get the no. way I was going to go and go back to college. And baseball has it right in that regard, right? I, I, you know, I sat in the negotiations for the last CBA. I was late in my career. I had just signed with Utah and – I never really understood why everyone was so adamant about that 19-year-old, um, or not 19-year-old, but the one year you have to go to college. I, you know, it made sense if I'm being if I'm being hypocritical. Like it made a little bit of sense for me at the time. I didn't champion for it, but I was like, well, if it comes into play, not a bad thing because that's that's less 17-year-olds that are coming in. That's more jobs for guys that are like my age. So I'm not really gonna fight it necessarily. You know, like that was just selfish at the time, but it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But I, again, I wasn't gonna quarrel over that. When we had bigger fish to fry and I wanted to play because mm-hmm. I, you know, um, but I think the NBA gets, you know, they don't have like the, the, the major league baseball, when you come out as a prospect and you decide you want to go to like single A or double yep. A, like you have to sign a contract. There's money involved in that. The NBA, if they make kids go to school for a year, there's no real, there's no money that they have to pay. That's free. That's free minor leagues, so to speak. Right. right. Like that's free. It's a free look at kids. And, um, you know, I agree with you. They, they should be able, they should have the chance. Like get, if you, if you put your name in the draft and you don't like where you get drafted or you don't get drafted, why penalize that kid? Right. Like why not let him go to school? Why not let him go? To your point, let him stay for a couple years, whatever you say, two, three years even. Mm-hmm. It'll help college basketball because Absolutely. you won't have kids coming and going off campus. And you know, half those kids that are one and done are going to school for what, four months just to get the grades to play during the season. And then yep. they're checked out anyway. Uh, so you know, you've got him there for a while if you're the university. Yeah, you may miss out on a, on a DeAndre Ayton or a, or a, or a, um, a Marvin Bagley Jr., but who cares? Like, right. it's fine. That's yeah. a, yeah, there are plenty of great players and, and, um, getting to watch them mature and, and, and have a little bit of, um, connection with, with a player in your fan base because he's there for a while, I think mm-hmm. is great for the college game. Uh, you know, the interesting thing, and I heard it over the weekend again was, and, and I lived in Spain for a while and played, you know, for Tal Ceramica and, and seeing that their club model, Having these kids not necessarily go to college, right? Not necessarily like just drop them in a club when they're like 14 years old. Right. They do all their schooling there. Um, you can classify them as you see fit. You just let them play ball, do their schooling, train all the time. And then when they, when they reach a certain age, it's not like you have to tell them to go to college for one year. You just drop them in the draft and see what happens. Right. So the other thing I think that can be really effective for this too is you, in, in the baseball model, you can get drafted out of high school, and you say, nope, not good enough. I, I was drafted out of high school. Right. said, nope, the money's not good enough. Went back to college. I got drafted again after my junior year of college in baseball. Same deal. I was like, right. no, it's not worth it for me to give up football or to give up or to give up my status at Florida State. Let them do that as well. 
Because then you have more, and this is, and that would be the most player friendly. Like, if we're for the players, you for the negotiate the deal. Yeah. And it gives them a little bit more leverage. And it also, but it puts a lot more pressure on NBA front offices. They have, they better be dialed in. Sure. But you can start some of those talks. That's the other thing. Like, let the players have an agent or a representative that can handle some of those negotiations for them so they have some more awareness, some more wisdom of what's going on. And then, you know, kind of go from there. Because the whole, the whole pay the players thing, I don't think that's the solution. Well, it's not because you can't. I mean, you you, you touched on it before. Like, there's you, you can't afford to pay players across the landscape of college basketball. Like right. Kentucky can, but right. Florida International, right? But we, I can't, I can't pay you like that. Again, I would argue though, it's not going to change much. Florida International's at the bottom, Kentucky's at the top. So if you paid players in FIU, couldn't doesn't really change anything. Uh, having said that, again, the minor leagues in baseball, because when you negotiate that contract with Danny Cannell coming out of school, you negotiate like a single A contract. Right. The NBA doesn't have that. Right. So when you negotiate with Danny Cannell or Raja Bell coming out of high school, you're negotiating like a minimum NBA level contract. I mean, I guess they have the G League now. Um, that's the other thing that you know, wasn't around that today, wasn't, or it wasn't as prevalent and there weren't as many teams that had it. Now right. they're having, every team is going to have a. A, a G League team? Yeah, but you wouldn't necessarily – I don't know how many kids are going to want to come out that are going to have good. to go like, to the G League. Right. right. So, But, again, you're, you're now you're – now, you're not paying a single-A contract for a Danny Cannell stud baseball player coming out. You're paying, you know, what the open market bears in NBA money. That's real substantial money. You miss on a few of those, and it gets ugly. Yeah, so the thing to watch out for now is how in the immediate future, like I think there will, the NCAA is going to have to address this. They're going to have to get together with the NBA, figure something out so that these problems don't crop up because everybody knows it going on. It looks corrupt. It's a bad look for college basketball, even more so now with a guy like Sean Miller who was caught on wiretap <sighs> discussing a $100,000 payment. What do you do with him if you're Arizona? He steps down. It did not coach Saturday, so they're kind of waiting to see There's what happens. There's nothing you can do. He's got to go. He's got to go? No, I mean, Danny, like if, if, right. this, is, if, this, is, if this is a fact, if he's caught on tape discussing a hundred thousand dollar payment, yeah. he's got to go. I I agree with you, but he's out there saying I'm gonna clear my name. But there's no there's no clearing your name. I, I agree. Unless on that tab, what you do you do though? What do you do with Miles Bridges? Because technically, he could cost you. All it was is his mom took a four hundred thousand dollar. I let that ride. There's got to be Me some. Too. There's got to be some. Like you've got to use your better judgment with some of this stuff. Like mom. Right, you know, I agree. I agree. I totally agree with you. A, not, a woman some shouldn't of these be able amounts to. Don't bother me right. at all. Like there, I mean, look, these kids. Some of these kids come from like I came from. I, my, my my dad started. He took a job at University of Miami when I was thirteen to get tuition remission, so I'd have a chance to go to college if if athletics didn't pan out. Because other than that, it was going to be like the the armed services, or it was going to be like you know getting a scholarship. Right. And so you know, I'm, I was blessed that he did that for me, and then I was even more blessed that I got a scholarship. But point being. Like, my parents weren't going to be able to afford to traverse the country to see me play. Right. Like, you pull some of these kids out of some of their environments, you, you take them on campus, and their parents can't, don't have the opportunity to get there to see them, let alone the kid have money to get home to see his parents. I don't have a $400, it's a plane flight. Right. Like, she might have been going to see her son play somewhere. Come right. on. I, I'm all about getting players more because they are getting better, but there's still a long way to go. All right, let's do some NBA talk because they were back in action over the weekend, started back last Thursday. The Warriors, baby. Yeah. They look like they got fresh legs coming off the break. Uh, they beat the Clippers last week. Uh, they, Steph had 44. He goes off. Then they beat the Thunder Saturday primetime. Was not even close. 102 to 80. How good do you feel about the Warriors? I've always felt good about the Warriors. I, I, I feel, I feel very good. And what they look like to me is a team that's been there, done that. So when they come out of the all-star break, they're refreshed. They're rejuvenated. 
they can start clicking and firing all cylinders. They they haven't been that far off of it. It just looked like they were a little fatigued mentally and kind of checked out. Um, and now they know they're in the home stretch. Like they can see the finish line, and so they'll pick it up and they'll kick it into gear. There would be no reason for anyone to think that after three years of going to the finals and very little roster turnover, it, it, that they'd be anything other than a, the championship like forerunner this year, no matter what they did early in the season. So I think they're fine, but I think they have another lull. Like I think coming off the All Star break, they're playing the Clippers. It's a, it's a franchise they haven't always gotten along that right. great with. I don't think they love Doc. I don't think they love some of the players on that roster. Steph goes off. They're playing against the Thunder. Same story. Like they don't the the KD Russ drama yeah. is there. It's gonna infuse a lot of energy in them. I still think Steve Kerr is gonna have to deal with a little bit of boredom. But I don't. But again, I'm not worried about it. Again, I don't care what seed they sure. are. I think they'll bump it up. They're they're they've been awful defensively. I think as they get closer to the playoffs, they'll start to dial that in more. That wasn't the only storyline was the fact that the, the Warriors looked really good on the floor. There was some drama. Mentioned Russell Westbrook <laughs> and your boy Zaza Pachulia. So there was a play. They get tangled up. They get tackled. Kind of go down on the ground in a heap. And Russell Westbrook talked about it. He was not feeling it. Don't ask me dumb questions, man. You, obviously, it was intentional. So don't ask me, was it intentional? Nobody touched me, fell over my leg, tried to hurt me. You know, but hey, that's how I go. I hear you, Russ. I, I look, I've watched the play a lot. I'm trying to give Zaza the benefit of the doubt because I like, I like Zaza. Like he's cool with me. I like Russ too. Um, but I, there's no, I have no, I have no way to defend that. He fell. It, it, there he, was a video where it, you saw a kind of a foot no, hook the back of his knee. His left foot, like Zaza looks like he clipped his left toe on the ground. But then there was a second where he looked like he made a conscious decision to not try to keep himself up. Mm-hmm. And that's where right. that's where it comes in for me. Like, I don't doubt that he stumbled. But then you looked at him and you saw the opportunity and it was like slow motion. You could read his thoughts. He, he was like, fell uh, on him. Eh, like, it wasn't a, that bad. Because like, I, I think this is one where Zaza's rep gets the worst of him and nah, you do dog. not get no benefit of that's the like a quarter that's like a, remember we were talking about like getting to tom brady and hitting him every chance you got even if it was after he had released the ball even if it meant a 15 yard penalty right like that's what that is like yeah i'm gonna take this shot he's laying on the ground let me fall 275 pounds right on his knees what so if zaza i think he's probably if there was a vote it'd be him and matthew della vadova who would be the dirtiest players and in draymond. the league. and yeah. draymond yeah. yeah dirtiest players in the league if you were still playing would you have been voted in the top three dirtiest or was yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. But having said that, and I don't mean to be like a, I'm, I defend myself here for a second. I I didn't play dirty. Like I would never take a shot at somebody's like livelihood like that. I would hit you yeah. in a heartbeat. But I would never like. I've had people literally put their foot under my like on purpose when I was shooting a jump shot, so I would land on their ankle. Like that's dirty. Right. Or a guy running down like Bruce Bowen had Amari Stoudemire on a fast break and just straight up tripped him from behind because he couldn't. That's dirty. Like I didn't play like that. I played hard. I'd be physical. I'd hit you, but I wasn't dirty. Dirty is trying to like jack somebody up, really jeopardize their their career. Now you could say the Kobe thing. Like I'll give you that one. <laughs> that's I'll give one. you that. I'll give you that. Like that was around his neck. I lost my stuff, but generally speaking, I didn't play dirty. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So the Cavs. Everybody was on board. They yeah. started off before the break two and zero. It's the young Cavs two point zero. It's all good, looking good. Since the All Star break, one and two. Lost the Wizards and Spurs. LeBron's yep. still balling out, but it's taking a little bit of time. Isaiah Thomas isn't missing out on an opportunity to knock his old squad. He said the Cavs are in, quote, panic mode when they traded him going after him. Any concerns for you? Um, yes, but not really. Not coming out of the East. I still don't think they win the championship, but I do think they come out of the East. Um, 
they have to figure out chemistry wise. The D hasn't been terrible, but the O is, the O has been a little suspect. And when you look at the last three games, there's been a lot of fluctuation on like shot attempts per, per person, like Rodney Hood specifically. Um, the Spurs are a weird team. They used to do it to us too. They would play Amari Stoudemire to let him score baskets. And I know that sounds crazy because you'd be like, well, Amari was the best player. Yeah, there was, but they would just hug up on the rest of us. So they'd let Amari try to get 40. And they wouldn't let, like, Leandro Barbosa get off. They wouldn't let me get off. They wouldn't let Steve Nash get off. They wouldn't let Sean Marion get off. And that's kind of their approach, right? So they'll let one guy kind of go try to get buckets and know that that's not enough to beat them. They did that to LeBron a little bit yesterday. I don't know how many. Did he have, like, 28, 30 FGA? He had some kind of, like, he shot a lot of times. And that's not the recipe for success for the Cavs. They've got to find a good balance. Clearly, he's going to shoot the most. But all of the rest of those guys have to eat. And they've got to get comfortable in the amount of reps that they're going to get, the amount of shots that they're going to get, so they can start hitting their stride, you know, offensively. That's not there yet. So I, I'm not really worried. Here's what I am worried about. Isaiah Thomas. Like, Isaiah, look, yes, everyone knows that they were in panic mode. That was a mess there in, in Cleveland. You're now out, and you have an opportunity to, like, kind of repair your image a little bit. Don't let it go. Like, I was that guy. I got traded from Phoenix. Um, I just happened to not be in a contract year, uh, but it didn't feel great, and I had a lot of comments, and it felt good for me to do it, but it didn't really ever get me anywhere. Nobody looked at me um, and changed their opinion of the trade because of what I was saying. It doesn't matter. Just shut up. Play basketball, bro. Repair that image. Real yeah. talk. And get your money. You don't need to be like lobbing insults at Cleveland anymore. It just looks, it makes you look even more petty than they were already painting you to be. I don't think the Isaiah Thomas drama is over by any stretch because I think once he starts playing behind Lonzo, like I don't think that's going to go over uh, real well. Like once he's coming off the bench, right, 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 like right, right, that's right. not going to go over well at all. Uh, the refs player is supposed to be all like chummy <laughs> after all star break. LeBron wasn't feeling it. At a point now where we protect the shooter more than the driver. There's no reason I should be going to the line four times in the game when I drive a hundred times to the pain. I'm getting hit and slapped and grabbed and whatever and whatnot. So, but we protect the shooter. That's what that's what it's turned into. Um, you know, chicks dig the long ball, and uh, <laughs> that's what it's about. That's well played with the chicks dig the long ball. <laughs> Kudos, LeBron. I, there's something to that. There, there's definitely something to that. I mean, I, I when I was there in Cleveland, and I, I said this before in a pod. Before I went to Cleveland, I would have never taken that stance. I would have been like, what are you talking about, bro? You get every call on the planet. Like, you're the best player on the planet. Give me a break. And then I sat there in the front office and watched the amount of times, like, he goes to the rim per game um, and watched them just swallow the rip, the whistle over and over. It's hard to judge when you got 6'8", 260, bigger, stronger than anybody, coming downhill like a freight train. It's hard to judge whether there's an advantage gained. Uh, by the defense or advantage games by LeBron. And sometimes they swallow the whistle because they don't, they don't know what to do. That's not fair to LeBron or his teams, but that's kind of the reality of it. Yeah, no doubt. He, he, I think this is part of him like playing the refs publicly because they'll, they'll hear this and they'll, they'll start watching a little sure. bit closer. Maybe he gets a couple calls and ends up helping him. All right. Our boy Markel Fultz, we've, as much of the nation has, has kind of had fun with how bad his jumper is. He might have. Have fixed fun. it. He might have fixed it, okay. right? So yeah, everybody's uh, trashing him. We'll put the video up on at Canel and Bell. But there is some video out there. The shot looks smooth. It looks like there is no hitch. You you think he's okay? There, there's a hitch. <laughs> there is a hitch. I saw the video. Subtly, yeah, there's a hitch right at the top, but it it's looks, way smoother. Like it's it's. I was gonna say it is way way smoother than it was before. And so that's that's you should be excited about that if you're a Philly fan, if you're a Markel Fultz fan, like if you. I'm excited for the kid because I was really, really worried about his mental state. Um, again, just get away, bro. Get away. Like, I, if I'm the Sixers, 
I, I like just let him chill all year. Yeah. Just take all pressure off. No expectations on it. Just let it be fun for him. Let him figure it out. If he's trending in the right direction, you know, that's all you can hope for right now. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I hate seeing a guy that is as talented as he is getting drafted where he is and not even really getting the opportunity yet. And I worry that if they do rush him back, because obviously there is something mental there yeah. that they could ruin him. Yep. So let him get healthy both physically and mentally before you decide to rush him back. All right. Uh, the T-Wolves. One of the quietest teams this year in the West. They make one of the, the moves that nobody really talked about when they got Jimmy Butler. But he gets hurt the other night. He suffered a non-contact meniscal tear uh, versus the Rockets. He had uh, surgery. He's going to be out four to six weeks. How does this hurt their chances in the West, um, if it, at all? I mean, I didn't think that they were going to win the West anyway. So I don't know that it really derails their opportunity to win the West. But it certainly you know, makes it that much more difficult. Jimmy Butler is what tied everything together there. They've had Andrew Wiggins, they've had Cat, um, you know, they they they've had some good pieces, but like we talked about it before, it, it takes a veteran, a solid vet, someone who who's been there, done that all-star level to really tie things together and that was Jimmy Butler for them. Um so it hurts. Now there'll be guys that get more opportunity now, like Jamal Crawford will get get a chance to step up. He's a little a little long in the tooth, but can still get you buckets. Um, do you think they you still know. make the playoffs? There's a bunch of teams backed up in the West. Um, yeah, I do. At the end of the day, I think they, I, I mean, I know Utah's really hot right now and, and, and some teams are playing well, but I, I think at the end of the day, they make the playoffs. I, I just don't know how much noise they make in the playoffs this year. I always thought next year was the year for them to really make noise anyway. All right. Before we get to Hannah with here's what's happening, there is big news around the office today. <laughs> Because we have alluded to it somewhat, but there is a whole new way for you guys to get your sports highlights, news, everything. It's CBS Sports HQ. That's where we work. It's our new network that has launched. It's a 24-hour streaming channel covering the biggest games, best plays, and crucial insights from around sports. Raja's up there in a suit and tie. Like, you don't oh, get to you see that it. too often. <laughs> He's going to be up there breaking down all the NBA. I'll be up there. Our guy Brady Quinn, who's uh, been a friend of the podcast, yep. he gets up there. We'll break it all down. You can stream it for free. That's the difference. For free. Anytime on the CBS Sports app uh, for Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, your phone, other connected devices, or watch it online at CBSSportsHQ.com. All right, Hannah, what do you got for us? All right, let's get into some college hoops action. One week of regular season remains for most of major college basketball, but not the Big Ten. Their tournament tips off this week as Michigan State captured this outright regular season conference title with a 68-63 to victory over Wisconsin on Sunday. Now, the Spartans' Miles Bridges struggled after his name appeared in Friday's FBI report. The sophomore tallied 10 points, shooting just 315 from the field and 0 for 7 from 3. Well, it'll be exciting. Um, that, I think that speaks like Miles Bridges and his inability, like with all of this stuff going on around him to kind of focus and play. Like these guys are really young. They're kids, man. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're kids. And, and it's unfortunate that, that they're sometimes exploited, not by the universities necessarily, but by these rogue agents and these people throwing all this money, even though they know it's illegal. Like that's unfortunate too. We didn't touch on that. Um, but I am excited for the college basketball, um, uh, tourneys to, to, to pop off. I just can't wait to see. You know, who shakes out, who winds up being champions. And, and Tom Izzo goes unheralded sometimes. I know when you talk to people who know, you know, they regard him highly, but when the general public just talks about great coaches, sometimes he's not, you know, thrown in that mix as often as he should be. Like he's really, really, really good year in and year out. Enemy of the podcast, what? Justin Thomas wins the hot out all the time. <laughs> oh, was that that cat? Yeah. Oh, exactly. was, okay, okay. So is he an enemy of the podcast, really, or just an enemy of you, Danny? Pro- probably just me. I don't think he, I don't <laughs> think he, we back probably up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. So 
I continue. Enemy of the podcast, Justin <laughs> Thomas, wins the Honda Classic and almost as impressively got a fan toss for heckling on Sunday. It wasn't, Danny. Thomas edged Luke List, nearly holding a gap wedge, and made birdie on the 18 to force a playoff. Earlier, a spectator yelled, quote, get in the bunker after one of Thomas's tee shots. <laughs> and JT promptly <laughs> had him removed from the premises. Tagger finishes 12th at even par for the tournament, shooting 70, 71, 69, 70. So they actually had really good audio of this interaction with this <laughs> fan. This. And right. then there's another fan that wasn't the guy. And he like pointed at him. He's like, yeah, it's that guy over there in the Seminole hat. Oh, Danny <laughs> Cannell like, sneaking in. <laughs> so I have to clarify. I'm like, you know what? It wasn't me. But JT, one of the he's best golfer in the world right now. Yeah, he's a bad boy. I sent him a little olive branch on Instagram. I said, congrats, bud. You know, wait, it was fun to watch. What'd he so say? We'll what he uh, say? Nothing he back. Respond? I didn't get no reply. Can yet. I ask a question? Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not allowed. Did he say get in the trap like while he was swinging? No. Or? No, it was in the air. No, so there why, was some controversy So why can you not this? say that? Like that? I, I don't know. Did I'm the fan to... get ejected? It's just like it's it's like etiquette once it's it is. Right? Oh, and that's, bro, that is soft. I'm kind of with you. I'm trying to get the relationship back to our. I hear you. I'll say it for you, JT. Hey, listen, you're a phenomenal golfer. It is kind of weak. Anything in your back swing, exactly. Right, it is. Soft in Strasbourg, huh? Soft in Strasbourg. All right, in one of the most anticipated spring training debuts ever, just kidding, the most mythical Shohei Otani displayed that he's human. The Angels edition, by way of Japan, tossed less than two innings and just 31 pitches, 17 of them strikes. His fastball got up to 97 miles per hour while Otani said he wasn't nervous, just recognized there would be a learning curve. I can't wait to watch this dude come play because he's. Uh, this is something you don't see happen is two-way players. I right. wish we did it more. I hated it because I had to give it up when I started getting further in my career. Let your best players pitch, and if they can hit, let them hit too. I think it's great for the game. I can't wait to it see it. It is because a casual fan like myself, like a playoff fan like myself, like mm-hmm. I'll tune in to see that. Yeah, no. me too. Not official yet, but on March 14th, cornerback Marcus Peters will be traded from the Chiefs to the Rams in exchange for draft picks. Peters has displayed a world of talent in his three seasons, making the All-Pro team in 2016 and leading the league in interceptions over that span, but also has displayed the tendency to be a headache, throwing a rest penalty flag into the crowd. And, of course, this. I ain't, I ain't hella weak. I'm just weak this week. Uh, next week, I'll get back on my show. So, uh Yeah. Oh, you know what happened? I'm finna go get loaded. <laughs> that is, uh, one, of favorite, cool that is one of my favorite pieces of audio that you will ever hear. Marcus Peters keeps it real. Like, he doesn't mess around. But it's very obvious that Andy Reid was not feeling him. And I, there are some guys that are a lot of fun to play with, and they talk, and it becomes fun. There are other guys, they talk a lot, it becomes a distraction. And there are other guys that the coaches just do not like because you become a distraction within your own locker room. That's right. clearly what's going on. Because he's one of the most talented guys in the league, and they're willing to say, you know what? It's not worth it. You got to do what you got to do. do. He, was, he do. said he wasn't hella weak. He was then just weak. Loaded. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to our best and worst of the weekend. Uh, this is a pretty cool story because, you know, we've gotten tied up in politics and players and spoiled. But Kevin Durant actually invests uh, $10 million to help disadvantaged kids Ish. to go to college. He partnered with a program called College Track in his hometown of Prince George's County, Maryland. Really cool story. Uh, Durant was quoted after, said, I want them to see the world. I want them to see where people are from and see what uh, there are things outside their world. I don't know exactly or at what pace they will get it, but there is a world outside that they need to see. Really a cool Very story. Cool. Yeah, I love I love when you see this yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's fantastic. We need more of that. Yeah, we do. Uh, the 
worst of the weekend. We don't need to see more of this, and that's Pitt basketball. <laughs> it pains me to say that my dad went to Pitt, so I kind of root for them every once in a while. But if you were watching the CBS Sports app over the weekend, you saw them. And Virginia has been doing this to a lot of people, holding it down. You see low-scoring games. Jeez. But for Pitt, they only had seven points. This was at halftime? This was yes. at halftime. I, I thought it was like late in the first half. Seven points at halftime. They were one of 22 from the field. Seven, wait a second. I thought no. this was a misprint. <laughs> they only had seven points they had seven in a points. half of it basketball. It was ugly. That was like viral. That's yeah, no, that it was, was, it was, yeah. I don't thought know. it was a typo. <laughs> I, well, I did until I saw it like last night, and then I had to go back and like I TiVo almost all the college games, so I had to go back and How do you let your coach uh, come back to the building the next day? I, I, like, I, I get I the players shot one of 22, but you, you have to fire the coach. And I'm not one to fire coaches. I don't know that you can fire a coach. That's, really? I think that's just one of those, like, dude, but it's, oh, that's don't you just, just so like, bad. Shake it off, like, yeah. No, like, you fire, you fire. <laughs> How can you fire a seven coach? Seven points. Yeah, but like, if they miss, they just miss every field goal. Like, it was just really ugly. They couldn't, it was like there was a lid on the basket. They could not buy a bucket. Well, how about you stop shooting from the outside and start working a little offense? I don't know, make an adjustment if you're the coach. All right, that's just a little side plan for me. All right, we talked about it at the top. Blake Bortles. I think this shocked a lot of people. Uh, but I think once you look inside the details of it, it shouldn't be that shocking. But he got a nice little three-year contract extension, $54 million, three years. It could be worth up to $66.5 million if he reaches some incentives. There's $26.5 million guaranteed. That's always the real money you want to look for. I, the, one of the, my favorite things is I do actually like incentives for players. I like seeing that when they're paid, if they play better or play well. One of them is if he gets a Super Bowl MVP. Yeah. I'd make that the entire $12.5 million. That's the million. loaded, like, loaded You get incentive. that? Go ahead. You can get it. Um, the reason I say there's kind of more to it is it actually saves them against the cap this season. He was supposed to make 19 million. It reduces his cap number to 10. And they do that with some of the accounting tricks, some of the salary cap stuff that goes on in the NFL. But with Blake Bortles, I actually think he's played okay. Like, and he if does. you want to go out, I think you, I think what are you going to do that's better? I don't know if they're, they're saying, look, we don't want to give Kirk Cousins 150 million to guarantee right. that we can get Bortles at a pretty good rate. Why not keep what we have going? He was one game away from going to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think he deserves it. I think he played and took that team to a place, even though they protected him, like by most people's accounts that are real football aficionados. But I think, you know, a guy who's been there, done that, digging in the trenches, his teammates clearly love him, right? They really seem to have his back. I think he deserves that. That's not a, that's not an astronomical number. And to your point, uh, because of all the creative stuff they can do with the salary cap, it actually saves them a little bit of space, allows them to go out and spend a little bit more this year. I think it makes all the sense in the world. My question for you would be like just watching quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Is he developing? Do you imagine that, 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 because it takes some guys. They're yep. like Chauncey Billups, for instance. Chauncey went to what, three teams and people thought he was a bust and then he gets in the right situation. He starts to develop a little bit and he's, he's a Hall of Fame like point guard. Do you see any development there with Blake? I think or? he's got, yeah, he's gotten better, but it's not like people want to see obnoxious numbers they want to see 65 percent completion rate they want to see kind of a breakout clear-cut oh my gosh there it is there's the season right but i think you always go look at wins and losses and you were able to get your team to the afc championship game that should mean something i think what really hurts bortles is his reputation and the perception of him as not very smart as kind of a party guy and not the best leader but I think all, and that is, and it is true. Like he doesn't come across as the brightest guy when he deals with the media. Right. And I think it hurts him. Um, 
if you look, so our guy, my guy Dan Orlovsky, he's a quarterback, longtime quarterback. He's doing some broadcasting. We need to get him on the podcast. He tweeted out this little nugget. I thought it was really smart. So, all right, I'm going to give you two quarterbacks. One of them won two Super Bowls. The other one is Blake Bortles. I'm going to see if you guys can guess who it is. All right, Blake Bortles, through his first four years, has thrown 90 touchdowns, 64 interceptions, and a 59% completion percentage. The other quarterback, through his first four years in the league, 92 touchdowns, 65 interceptions, 58% completion percentage. Well, I know which one Blake Bortles is now. Right. Uh, Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Yeah. Their stats through four years are almost identical, but the perception around Eli, because he carried himself a certain way. I feel like Bortles has that. turned it around a little bit this season. I do too, and I think that's why Tom Coughlin probably saw that too, and Doug mm-hmm. Marone were like, all right, he's getting better. He's starting to grow up. Because a lot it of it is like immaturity. He's trying a little but bit more. Why, exactly. Like, what is the, what is the, like the, what is the, <laughs> What is the thing with quarterbacks having to look and act and be a certain way? Like, I feel like of all the positions in sports, like, not even pitchers, right? Like, I'm talking about, like, glory night. Point guards don't get treated like that. Pitchers don't get treated like that. What other sport? I mean, I, I, goalies or, or defensemen, I don't know, hockey like that. But why is the quarterback position, why must you act and look and talk a certain way to be regarded as a quarterback? Is forever, like, something that angers me. Like, I don't I, – I got – Curse words for that guy. I can't use them on the pot. <laughs> but I just think it's ridiculous because I watch Blake Bortles' team and I watch the way they, they, they react to him through the media and they defended him. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't have to talk a certain way or look a certain way to have, to, to have, to have the respect of your locker room and your teammates and have those guys have your back. They clearly did. And to your point, Blake doesn't look like Peyton or Eli or Tom Brady or, or act like them with the media, but, but that should not, yeah, that should not be matter. the gauge of whether or not he's fit to be the quarterback. It should be his on-field performance and whether his teammates have his back. But more so than any position in sports, it's the most important position in football, clearly. But you're also, you are the face of the franchise. You are going to represent your franchise to the media, to the fan base. Everybody that sees your organization is going to say, oh, this is a reflection of the team. So it's sort of like a politician uh, it's sort mm-hmm. of like the CEO like the of the CEO, company. Right. Yeah. But if and, you're good, how much yeah, does that like, matter? Like, I don't want a CEO that stands up there. Like, if the CEO, like, but isn't if, the most polished person in the world, but he's behind the scenes being a gangster CEO, yeah. I'm fine <laughs> with that. <laughs> that is true. But I feel like some of the problem with Blake Bortles is behind the scenes. Right. He was kind of playing out Correct. what he was yeah. above this. Like, Correct. that's what you were getting. But I think a lot of it, when I was 23, 24, and this is why I didn't last, I wasn't ready to be that franchise guy. I wasn't ready to go to work the way I needed to. Right. And I never got that opportunity. It's good to see Blake Bortles, like, finally getting it, learning how to be a pro. No one groomed Blake, right? Like, when he came in, they dropped him right onto a bad team in a bad situation. Never hadn't won anything, right, in in Jacksonville. Right? To your point, like, there's some grooming that goes on with guys like Aaron Rodgers to a certain degree. I mean, some guys get dropped in and they're ready to go, but some guys just aren't. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see what, 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 if he continues this development, because I feel like this is a very safe deal for the Jaguars where they can get out of it if it doesn't work out for him. Mm-hmm. All right. There was a serious story coming out of Toronto with DeMar DeRozan. He actually was very honest, open and talking about a depression, which is something you don't hear a lot of, um, players talking about, especially currently. Former players all the time. I dealt with it a bunch as I was trying to figure out what to do next after I was done playing. But from a current player, it was kind of rare. He talked with a Toronto star 
and talked about his current bouts with depression, saying they can sometimes be overwhelming. Uh, following a tweet last week where he said, this depression gets the best of me. He said, quote, it's one of them things that no matter how indestructible we look like we are, we're all human at the end of the day. We all got feelings and all of that. Sometimes it gets the best of you where, every, where times everything in the whole world's on top of you. Uh, he said he's had nights like that ever since he was young. Did you see players struggle with this when you were playing? Um, not to my knowledge. I mean, I'm, you know, you get to know guys when you're with them for that long and they're only 15 or 12, 13 of you guys. Um, and you know when they're just having bad days or bad weeks. Uh, but I never really identified it as a guy being depressed and no one ever, no one ever came out and kind of said that they had a battle, <clears throat> excuse me, with depression or something like that when I played. So look, the reality is, all sports are just like in their locker rooms are a microcosm of society, right? They're just a small sample size and, and everyone has their issues. And so we talked about it before. There is this stigma with, with athletes, um, and, and, and their, their inability to show vulnerability and it's there. Like I, I had, I, I was talking to my son the other day about his confidence, right? And in his jump shot and he's struggling with it right now. And, you know, I just saw him. I saw him as a dad go through what I went through at times where you miss a couple and it's just a spiral and you start talking to yourself and then you don't believe in it and so you can't hit it. And he just felt so bad. And I told him, I said, listen, man, this is not unique to you. This happened to me over and over and over. And it's going to be a constant battle with you. And 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 what you have to do is just always have positive vibes for yourself, right? You can't let yourself get down into that and and I but I would never tell anybody that when I played. Right. I wouldn't tell anybody, hey man, like I'm really struggling right now. Like I don't believe, you know, number one, I get paid to do it. So if I let anybody know that I'm having trouble with with this part of my game, like maybe that's a reflection and they shouldn't shouldn't keep me on board. But, you know, as as a dude who's made it to the NBA, like I want I don't want to admit that. I want to figure that out. Like I'm I'm I got to get out of this. But to my son, like I want to let him know. Like these these are natural feelings, dude. Like own them. Mm-hmm. Like and and then be positive with yourself and try to bring yourself out of it. But but um yeah, I, I believe a lot of athletes struggle with stuff like that. Maybe not to that degree where it's clinical depression. Right. But with with um confidence issues, with self-esteem issues, like they're they're you know Anything that society and people in society would deal with, pro athletes do. Yeah, I, I, that's what I've always tried to tell people is that the inside of an NFL locker room or I'm sure the NBA, you can tell me, is very similar to any corporate office or company across America. You have mm-hmm. people dealing with stuff. Like yep. It doesn't matter. Just because you're a professional athlete and you're making millions of dollars doesn't mean those problems go away. Sometimes they Whether, exacerbate them. Absolutely they right. do. I think it's great. That DeMar DeRozan is out talking about this. I agree. But I do feel, and I think it's great because hopefully in everything I've read about people that are struggling with depression and like their, their surrounding family members or their, their people that are around them. Yeah. It's relatable. That, well, that not only is it relatable, but people said, I never knew, but if you get out there, now his friends can Your help support him. Group now can his, be there now his teammates can be there right. if they see him acting down or they see something. I will say this though, as a player who was kind of on the bubble, I would have never said anything because I would have felt like the GMs and the scout and the people that, that were deciding my future would have said, we don't want that. He's fragile. No Correct. way are we keeping him around. So I would have never felt comfortable enough to do this. But I don't think that should be the case. Like, I think we should be able to say, all right, he can tr- he can struggle with this and he can get over it and we can help him and he can still be a contributor on our team. Well, that's the at the end of the day, that's the question, right? Like, if I can go through a shooting slump and it takes me four games to get out of it and then I'm shooting 42% again from the three-point line, then I can probably say that to you and you'll be like, all right, he's fine. He'll come back. 
But if that takes me a whole season and you're invested mm-hmm. millions and millions of dollars and you're not sure whether I'm coming back or not, you just can't afford to have that around. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's do some topics, Debo. Let's have some fun to finish off this Monday. What do you got for us? Let's do it. This one sounds like a challenge. So we remember Jimmy Butler sitting out the All-Star game and Snub Lou Williams tweeting at him, you serious, bro? LOL. <laughs> Obviously a little upset because that really could have been him, and Lou Will has never made the game. Well, in an interview with ESPN, Butler insinuates that he would play Williams for $100,000. Ooh, wait. Who wins? Second, I'd like to take this opportunity to challenge Hannah to a game for 100 grand. 100 grand Ooh, on the 100 line. racks. 221. Oh I don't know who wins that. That's, that'd be it. Hey, Lou Will is, 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 is tough offensively. Um, I guess it would depend on the rules. It would depend on like, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I, so how often do guys play one-on-one in the NBA? Not that often. They don't. So no. like, it's not a, it, how let about me, the offseason? Let no. me sneak in this early five-star Q and A. Cause someone asked Raja, how much is the most you've ever played someone one-on-one never. for? I've he never says he's heard money. stories where people in the NBA play for like 10 K. Uh, that might be in the off season. Like when guys are like in big training groups and stuff like that. But during the season, I would play Boris the Owl one-on-one. Like just to mess around after practice, or maybe Sean Marion, uh, but never for any money. It would just Did be to like sharpen up. No, no, because we were fully like, if I had played somebody that was vying for my position, <laughs> yeah. and we were in a position battle, maybe. But it, we never, it, it never got down like that. I play Eddie House all the time, and like horse NBA guys play horse for or money. Out, um, yeah, I never played him for money, but but they would play that for money, shooting contests for money all the time, um, but not one on one games. Of money. It'd be thousands of dollars on the line of shooting contest. Is that all handed in cash or ever checks involved? <laughs> no, no, it's check. always, it's always cash. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash. After <laughs> I win the one-on-one against Debo, I would need the cash. Cash. <laughs> I'll come with a bag of Not even Venmo. <laughs> I wouldn't even accept a Venmo. Money on the wood K, makes Venmo. the bet go good. I wonder if the NBA is up to 2018 if they're Venmo now or if it's still cash. <laughs> it's I don't cash like I never have cash on me ever. The other day right. I paid my hair lady Venmo. I was like, right. I'll tip you in Venmo. Sorry. <laughs> All right, this one, <laughs> we're talking about practice. People seem to be mesmerized by this practice video where Steph Curry hits 94 out of 100 threes. Now, we're talking to a guy that once tied for the league lead in threes. You walk under the court after this pod, Raj, Raja. How many threes out of 100 are you hitting? <sighs> right now, I don't play a lot of basketball anymore. You let me warm up. Right? Yeah, I get, you get a little warm How up. many warm up? Like, I get like get 15, 10 20 shots? 10 yeah. minutes? All right. Uh, I'll give you a week. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, to warm yeah. Up. yeah I, you give me a, if you give me a week, I hit 75, 83. What about how different is that from when you were actually playing? Um, I, 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 in and about the same. Yeah. Yeah. So that was always, so you could just go out there and knock down 83, yeah. like 80%. You'd yeah. be out there. And it, what, I didn't see the video, but is he stationary? Is he mo- he's working? Moving. He's moving around. Would see, that matter? That would matter. Yeah. Like, if, you know, if you gave me like, 20 shots from five spots and I was stationary just catch and shoot 75, you know, but like if, if I get hot, it could be higher. But if, and if I was cold, it could be, you know, 67, 68, but moving would change it. Right. Danny, we Danny, see you on the you? course. <laughs> 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 Same thing. Whoa. You're playing with your now, daughters. Now I would need six months to hopefully get 50%. Like that would be, I, I think that could be realistic to get 50%, which might be high. But I would need six months. My shot's gone. Like I used to be able to. I used to just shoot threes. All that's all I did in high school. Right. My shot's gone. Yeah. I no <laughs> joke would get like two Anna. after months of practice. I would get like three maybe yeah. with you never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on. 
Uh, been a while since we got this one, but what the F were they wearing his back? So it was Go Texan Day on Friday, and Houstonian's attire is supposed to represent the beginning of the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And Chris Paul, a new member of the Houston Rockets, showed up to the arena definitely, definitely embodying that. Boots, hat, and all. Check out Canel and Bell on Twitter. I don't know if this is within the, the NBA's dress code. Raj is going to be in Houston later this week. Yes. You rocking that? I am wearing it on the plane Friday morning. <laughs> Top. That was a 10-gallon hat, 5-gallon hat, the Whatever. boots, the whole nine. Picture. Yeah. It it's was, it was awful. great. It's so bad. <laughs> you guys, I think it's not that bad. What? I think according to the day, yeah. it is go – what is it? it? Go Texan Day or yeah. something? Yeah. I, why not? He's into, he's into it. Like this is normal gear for Russell Westbrook. Like Russ wears this on a, you know, the on just a regular hat has Wednesday got to night go. game. It's Texas, and it's no. weird. I'm not a cowboy hat guy, but Texas, it's a whole nother it's level. Like, like, it's, it's and it's rodeo week out there. Yeah, man. exactly. It's, it's gonna, gonna crack it. Like you can't do like a cowboy hat and cowboy boots together. He's all in. I know. I'm no. I'm and the no buckle. Don't he has the buckle. Here, but but <laughs> buckle as well. So I can't talk today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm All right, it. lots oh of NBA God. topics today. Um, Chandler Parsons known for certain things at 4 a.m. in the morning, but the other night he was trapped in an elevator with Grizzlies teammate Marcus Gasol and assistant coach Nick Van Exel. Of course, instead of conserving battery, you go on Instagram if you're Chandler Parsons. It's 3:42. We're losing oxygen. Uh. <laughs> Please, somebody said help. The question is. That's fantastic. Give me one former teammate you wouldn't mind being stuck in an elevator with and one you would just hate to be trapped with. Oh, oh that's, that's such a, a good, good question. question. I don't know. You go, Danny. <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. There were some offensive linemen. I'm not going to name anybody. Yeah. But you would not want to be stuck in a small space losing air. Yeah. In a small – like – Bodily functions might start going yeah. off where you're like, uh-oh. I would probably want to be stuck in an elevator with a kicker. It's like somebody smaller, right. kind of cleaner. They don't get dirty. I would probably say a kicker. So I would go by position. I'm going to cop out and just share that if I – it's like one of my number one fears is getting stuck in an elevator. I got a slight case of claustrophobia. Like it's not it's not debilitating, but I don't do well in MRI machines. They have to knock me out to put me in those um, – if I were stuck in an elevator, I would be the teammate that everyone would say they don't want to be in an elevator. <laughs> I would be in a full panic. Like I, you'd you'd have to sedate me if you had anything. Have y'all ever been stuck in an elevator before? I've been have close. You? I've had like where I had to open the door and then like okay. climb up. I'd be in straight panic. What? Mode. I've yeah. I've been stuck in an elevator before, and this is when I was um I was working at Fox Sports and I was with a bunch of coworkers at a Heat game, yeah. and we were moving from like the arena to down where this concert was because we had this like sponsored concert we all had to be there for and we all missed it and we piled in this elevator and I have never been more stressed out in my life. Like oh. we were we were sweating. How we long lo- were you in it for? Like I want to say like forty five minutes. Oh, I passed out. It was all there were yeah, like fifty of time. us in this elevator. We're like, oh we'll squeeze in, we'll get to the concert early and we all missed it. We all got in trouble. We're all sweating. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. That's, I'm that just sounds picturing terrible. Raja stuck in an elevator with Ty Corbin. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I might not have minded that. (laughs) All right, last topic, real quick. Tim Tebow injured his ankle by stepping on a sprinkler head during spring training. That's all I got. Reaction. Get ready for the Tim Tebow hype. As as they get more and deeper into spring training, he's playing with the big leagues. You're gonna start seeing cheering for Tebow. You are. Yeah, cheering for Tebow, man. I agree. I love it. It stays in the headlines. I mean, the sprinkler, not so much. But I'm all about headlines when you earn them. But we'll see. (laughs) 
I feel a little jealousy. All right. That's it for today. Hope you guys have a fantastic start of your week. Don't forget, CBS Sports HQ is up live and running. There might be an extra hour of that sometime in the future uh, with your boys right here, but we'll see about that. Make sure you go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, Stitcher, anywhere there are podcasts, SoundCloud. Leave us that five-star review on our iTunes page for every Friday. We'll answer those, ask a question for our five-star Q&A on Friday. And as always, go follow us on at Canel and Bell on Twitter. And on Instagram, and Instagram same now. handle. Yeah, at Canel and Bell. Check us out. Thanks for checking us out. Blah, blah, blah. Check us out. Can I say it five <laughs> more times? Check us out. <laughs> You're killing it today.